my grandfather had a brain tumor, so he also lost uh, mobility on the left side of his body. And that's when I started getting into neuroscience and like uh, neurotech and stuff like that and learning more about the brain and how uh, mobility works and all that stuff. Juan Rodriguez is a co-founder and chief technology officer of Evolution Devices, a neurohabilitation technology company. They make a device called EvoWalk. EvoWalk is a functional electrical simulation device, FES. Yeah, I know, it's a mouthful. It uses artificial intelligence to reliably track walking patterns and personalize your rehabilitation therapy to track your rehab progress and replace your brace or ankle foot orthosis, or AFO. It helps people recovering from stroke, multiple sclerosis, ALS, cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, or incomplete spinal cord injury. Juan and I met playing futsal, or indoor football. Yes, that means soccer for most of the world. It's going to be a great conversation. An engineer, banker, and dancer go on a hike. They realize how things have changed and start a podcast. Hi, I'm Jed, the banker. I'm Shikhar, the engineer. And I'm Adrian, the dancer. And we are THC. We break down topics, meet pioneers, and share ideas. Welcome to Things Have Changed. One. It's so good to have you on the Things of Change podcast. We've just been reading about your company and the product that you're trying to build. Your company is uh, Evolution Devices, and the product that you're building is is a healthcare product which aims to help people with certain neurological disorders to help them walk better. So I'd love to dive in and just hear um, your motivations mm-hmm. to dive into such a complicated um, technology and maybe we can start over there basically we got started because my co-founder's dad actually has multiple sclerosis and he developed this problem called foot drop the problem the problem is the connection between their brain and their lower leg muscles are broken so even if they want to move their foot in certain directions a normal person would they're not able to activate those muscles so what the device does is actually activates the nerves for them so they can actually move the foot. It's kind of like a knee brace that you put right below your knee, actually. It has sensors and electronics that are able to stimulate the right muscles of your leg at the right time to help you walk better. Okay, so just to understand that a bit better, the brace is the only piece of hardware that's on the person's body. And uh, is there anything that connects to the brain or... um... Yeah, is, is there an app for that? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the other part. Uh, we know that um, we want to make it as user friendly as possible. Okay. So we're also developing an app, kind of like a Fitbit app, so we can encourage uh, encourage our users, our patients, to walk more, uh, interact with their community, get information about their uh, performance and stuff like that. Uh, and then the device itself, uh, it's self contained, so you don't need to uh, connect anything else to it. It's a uh, a wearable device, kind of like a kind of like a Fitbit, but with a medical function. And in this case, the principle is that 
the nerve connections are broken, right? So we're kind of like bypassing the brain signal to the nerve itself. So we detect when the person wants to take a step in a certain way, and then we stimulate with electrodes on the user's skin that can help the user lift their leg or lift their foot, for example, and clear the ground better. Wow, that's so cool. So, dude, uh, how did you think about this? Were you, uh, were you still at Cal? Yeah, it was my last semester last year. Uh, and it all came from us just being really into biohacking. So Pierre, Pierre Luigi, my co-founder, and there's another Pierre, Pierre Karshuk. We're all into neurotech. So everything related to nerves and brain signals and muscles and stuff like that. We're like fascinated by it, by it. So we always work on projects like games and stuff like that and uh, cool things, you know. And then uh, Pierluigi uh, mentioned that his dad had that problem. So we brainstorm. We saw some research of people doing this stuff. And then we're like, oh, we can, we can try to do that just as a prototype and see what happens. And uh, it worked well. It was like a huge box on his knee. He was our first uh, guinea pig, basically. Um, and he was courageous enough to try it and it worked, it worked pretty well. It wasn't as good as now, but he, he showed the, he showed the point. It was a proof of concept. Jeez. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so what are the problems that the patients face and, um, amongst the products that are present on the market to solve such an issue, where does Evo Walk fit in all of this? The problem right now is 6 million Americans that suffer from walking impairments. And some of those uh, are included in foot drop. And what happens is that they're not able to activate their foot and leg at the right time through, during their walk. So they tend to trip and fall. And then they get hurt even more. Uh, the default solution now, core by insurance, is called an AFO, which is basically like a, like a plastic or carbon fiber brace that goes around your foot and it does prevent you from falling because it leaves your foot fixed in an upward position so you you don't scratch uh the tip of your foot with the ground uh but also leads to muscle atrophy and it doesn't activate your muscles on each step you take so you're not rehabbing uh which is a big problem because especially for people with stroke that still have a possibility of rehabbing some of the mobility if you don't actively activate the muscle. You're gonna, you're you're not gonna regenerate that brain connection to your to your body. So that's the current option. And then another option is functional stimulation devices, which is what we're working on. Uh, and there's some competitors that are working on that right now, but they haven't updated technology in the past twenty years. So we realize that if we use uh, more modern techniques and better hardware than what's being used right now, we can improve the user experience and create a more personalized solution for each patient. And how many uh, how many people have this issue? Like what's the number approximately of people that are affected by nerve damage or uh, the inability to activate their lower muscles to walk? Yeah, so just for food drop in the US alone, uh, every year I think there's 6 million cases diagnosed. 6 million, um, wow. Yeah, and then everyone that it's had a stroke, I forgot the numbers, but stroke patients, uh, multiple sclerosis, ALS, BLS, they all suffer from a muscle disorder, brain muscle disorder. And they're all, they are, they can all be potentially part of our market as well. So dude, um, this, this sounds like pretty complex stuff. Um, so who, who do you really need? 
Like what, what is the composition of, of your team? So three of us, when we started, it was the three co-founders. Then we went full-time in January, 2018. We just had that one prototype and we didn't have any funding. So we're like trying it out for a few months to see what happens. We were lucky enough to get an angel investor. And then we won this grant from Toyota that's been supporting us for the past year and a half. And funding, we hired two more people. So we have a, a hardware firmware engineer, a mechanical engineer. Uh, me, I'm the CTO. I'm doing uh, some of the manufacturing stuff and implementing uh, the code on the device. Then we have Pierre Luigi, he's the CEO. He's doing all the business stuff, talking to clinics, talking to patients. And we also have Pierre Karachuk, uh, and he's doing the algorithms. He's a algorithms wizard. Dude, just to be super honest with you, like to prepare for this call, we were just going through the website, your company website, and mm -hmm. just looking at your team. And only thing we saw was neuroscientist this, neuroscientist that. <laughs> and we were like, okay, are we qualified enough to get him on and have a good enough conversation but in all seriousness like um, uh, for two years actually the, the past two years i was at abbott labs mm -hmm. and um, i worked there within pacemakers and uh, i was just looking at the device that you have and the first thing that crossed my mind was how they're doing user trials right? Uh, how are you generating that data? It's just complex um, hardware and software that goes into it. So how are they getting the user-generated data? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the hardest parts of making a medical device, uh, especially for um, people like us that we didn't specifically have a background in medicine. None of us are doctors, so we couldn't get direct access to patients. So that's one of the first things we realized we had to fix somehow. And we started looking for advisors in the medical field. Uh, we worked with uh, uh, some clinics around the Bay and also some clinics in SoCal. And that's how we, that's how we get most of our patients. Uh, just usually we get patients through our social media and then we talk to them, ask them what they need, ask them if they're interested in the product. And then they mention it to their clinicians and the clinicians then reach out to us to see if our product's available yet or what, what do we need to do to, or what do they need to do to get their hands on the Ewok. So uh, since we're not selling it yet, what we do is we, we do some testing at their clinic, uh, test with their patients, test uh, new features and stuff like that. And So you guys are really using um, agile methodology pretty much. You guys are actually going out there and, and engaging with, with the patients who you're making the product for. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely everything that we do is with the patient in the center. That's what we want to focus on, just building whatever they, they request, you know. So is this device, are you guys designing it to be uh, as much of a one-size-fits-all? Or does each person have to have uh, certain different specs to make sure that they have the most efficient or most reliable device that they can wear and use throughout the day? Uh, so it's a little bit of both. In terms of hardware, we do want to have something that is one-size-fits-all. So we know people had different types of legs, different sizes of legs, but we want to make the design modular. That's uh, one of the biggest challenges right now. But we have a prototype for that as well that's working pretty well. And then in terms of personalized solution itself, it's uh, going back to people having different issues, different walking impairments. You and me, we walk in different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's where our innovation comes in. 
uh, we've created an algorithm that can adapt to different types of walking and understand different walking impairments. So we personalize the solution for each type of walking impairment. And how do you categorize these different types of uh, walking patterns? Because I think it was like uh, some article or video about how China can use AI and video recording to track mm-hmm. a certain person's walking pattern or just by observing your walking pattern, they can tell like kind of like a DNA or like a, it's, it's creepy stuff, <laughs> but mm-hmm. everyone has a very unique walking pattern. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that's really difficult to learn the walking pattern of each individual person, but you probably have to figure out algorithms and mm-hmm. uh, machine learning to really solve that mm-hmm. issue and come up with the most ideal assistance with each person's walking pattern yeah yeah definitely that's that's the goal we do want to make as personalized as possible we think that's really the future of medicine and telemedicine in general too so we're putting a lot of effort in that and we've seen pretty good results on on the performance of our algorithm so far so we're pretty excited about it dude so the whole technology uh, artificial intelligence ai uh, is being touted as, you know, this thing that could solve anything. It's it's being applied to like every industry possible. Uh, so, do you see an issue there with um, the use of AI within healthcare and um, how you are trying to navigate the the regulatory space by having such a disruptive technology that you're using? to capture um, user data. I think uh, artificial intelligence, it's uh, definitely overused in some cases, maybe an overkill for some things, but for other things, it's really helpful. And the main thing I think is that the model can only be as good as the data. So we focus on getting really good data uh, so we can create the best model out of it, really. So yeah, we, we try to collect as much data as possible from patients, quality data. That's hard, dude. I would just imagine that it's very difficult already to get those data points. Like it, it must be even harder to get good. Yeah, yeah. Good it's data. Challenging uh, because we have to bring patients in or we have to go to the patients. So it's not uh, something you can do online. You know, it's not like retail that you can just collect data from the customers online. You have to either go to the customers or, or bring the customers in. And that goes back to the medical space too. It's even harder because there's regulations about data and uh, the things that you're allowed to do with that data. And that's one of the problems we're running into right now too, the FDA regulations, which it takes time. Like for us, especially we've never gone through the FDA before. That's something we're learning right now and starting to understand how it works. Yeah, it's it's a really tough question, dude, because if you think about it, um, if we develop artificial intelligence, uh, what are we going to do? Are we going to subject it to human ethics? Like regulation is going to be really tough, but if you think about it, it's pretty much the same as um, artificial into other industries where artificial intelligence is developing. The regulators don't know what the fuck to do with it. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of, of breaking and a lot of, of trials and experiments before we get to uh, a certain solution. Yeah. But that that's a really um, hard question to answer. It's going to be a really mm-hmm. difficult space for regulation. Um, so I just I guess I wanted to get to uh, what are your worries in terms of the industry? Are there other types of um, problems you're trying to solve in this space? And you know what do you think uh, the constraints would be? I think the healthcare industry, especially. Personalized solutions are a big trend right now, a trend that's up and coming. A lot of devices that I've seen 
are trying to personalize a solution for each type of disorder or each type of patient. And that's something we, we want to jump in as well. So what kind of uh, bottlenecks do you guys have from the FDA um, testing these different uh, algorithms and uh, making changes to the software? What's the process like and what's like the timeline? And how do you think that it could become quicker or better? What would it take for the FDA to really revamp their software guidelines that they have for medical devices? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a hard question. Yeah, for our case, we, we know what we have to do. I think it's a pretty straightforward path for us. But uh, just the, the paperwork, it's the hardest part, really. Like, uh, we're all in it. So we, we don't want to do that paperwork, but we have to. Uh, we're learning in the highway. In terms of uh, streamlining the, the FDA process, I think it's really complex because, uh, for example, AI and machine learning models, a lot of things that us humans don't understand and it's hard to regulate what a uh, model is doing in certain cases. So I think it's going to take a lot of time to streamline the FDA process for more uh, self-learning algorithms and devices. I think that must happen in the near future, but uh, it's definitely going to be challenging for the FDA and for companies. Got it. Uh, so how hard has it been to get the initial set of patients, initial set of customers for uh, your company? Is it something that the doctors and the patients yeah. themselves kind of create a buzz? Um, is that the way mm -hmm. you are getting that initial patient database? Us, the biggest issue will be getting initial customers in the beginning because we, we do know that people need it, but then the, the insurance and the co-pays and all that stuff, uh, that's tricky, especially for a drug like this. It does help people, but it's not the cheapest solution, so it's not the default by insurance. So it's a big problem that we know we're going to face, and we're figuring out strategies on how to solve that right now, so we, we're prepared for where, when we start selling. But yeah, I think that's that's our biggest problem right now. That's going to be challenging to to get it to people's hands in a affordable manner. And with regards to this Toyota challenge, now how has that process been? And now that you are getting onto the final stages of that competition, do they expect you to have like a proof of concept for the device that you're creating? Mm -hmm. uh, so initial customers or initial test objects that we've had have mainly been from social media. So from our website or from our Instagram, people will reach out and be really enthusiastic about our technology and want to uh, have a lot of questions and we're really excited to know more. So people that were around the Bay Area, which is where we're located in Berkeley, uh, they will come to our lab and be willing to test our device and just get get to understand how it worked and stuff like that because they, they're just excited about it, like a solution that can help them fix this problem that they've been dealing with for 10, 20 years. So for reaching users, uh, we've been relying a lot on social media and also through Toyota, we got a lot of uh, free advertisement, actually, which was really helpful. We, yeah, so the guidance for the competition after we were selected as one of the five finalists is that by the end of the competition, we should have a device that should prove efficacy on a patient and show that the market would be big enough and it must be affordable for patients to get. It can be something that can help you walk uh, 20 miles, but costs uh, $100,000, you know? So that's one of the 
main things that they want to see. So uh, we're really focusing affordability, which is in terms of hardware, the actual physical uh, device is not something expensive, but the way you distribute it uh, can get complicated. And that's something we're focusing on as well. And yeah, the competition ends in August of this year in Tokyo. Yeah, they're going to announce the winner and first place is going to win a million dollars. So oh, wow. Let me get that. <laughs> we know who to contact now in August if things go according to plan. <laughs> are they are they flying you out to yeah, Tokyo? Yeah. yeah, we're going there with the whole team. Shit, oh, that cool. is exciting. You guys are at the Sky Deck, right? At Berkeley? We're Yeah, we're at Sky Deck right now. Nice. Yeah, I saw pictures of the place, dude. It's fucking gorgeous up there. So, dude, uh, we spent a lot of time here talking about kind of the products and, and the work you've been doing. It sounds like a pretty busy schedule and, and you're working on a lot of complex things. Um, we'd like to dive into now uh, your story. Would you go ahead and share that with us? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still in Berkeley, graduated from Berkeley 2017 and then started working with this on, on this with my co-founder. Yeah, yeah, so I, I still live in Berkeley. It's it's a beautiful town. I uh, I moved here from El Salvador, yep. <laughs> and it's completely different. It's a lot uh, cooler. I, I went to a community college first, and then I transferred to Berkeley. Nice, nice. transfer squad, baby. That's both <laughs> me and Adrian. <laughs> Which college? Which college? Uh, Kenyatta College is in Redwood City. Oh, okay. So still in the kind of in the Bay, I guess. Yeah, kind of in the Bay. So how was that experience, dude? How was how was moving from El Salvador? So I moved here. I think I don't know if you know, but I moved from the Philippines in like 2011 or something. And it's been I don't know. It's every day. It's like a different life that I'm living than I was living in the Philippines. You know, I'm yeah. a different person when I'm in the U.S. Yeah, I moved from El Salvador, not really knowing what I was gonna do here. I just knew that I just heard that you would have more opportunities. You can do a lot of cool stuff, but I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to focus on. Then uh, 20, 2015, I transferred to Berkeley, and around the same time, my my grandfather had a brain tumor, so he also lost uh, mobility on the right side, left side of his body, and that's when I started getting into neuroscience and like uh, neurotech and stuff like that, and learning more about the brain and how uh, mobility works and all that stuff, uh, and that's how I met all my co-founders and ended up where we are now. So there's a personal story, dude. There's there's something pushing you um, to actually do this project. Yeah, definitely. Um, it started as a cool project to help Luigi's dad. And we realized that this can actually help a lot of people. And not just in the US, but also in Latin America. Like uh, One of my goals is to go back and not just bring the product, but just create a culture of uh, technology. There's a lot of talent, but there's not enough exposure. Like for me, if I knew that I could have started coding at like, 15 i would have done it you know i'm really just thinking about this and uh i'm thinking about your time in el salvador and and your interest in in soccer you know and you know we we played together on a team um in berkeley for one of those intramurals and uh i know you love this i know you love soccer is 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 the goal kind of just like to help other people play soccer again bro (laughs) (laughs) definitely a connection there but uh it's like a personal thing you know like I just try to put myself in their shoes. It's like, wow, like if I couldn't walk, that'll be, that'll be terrible. You know, like I like moving, I like playing. So for now it's, it's just something that can help you improve your quality of life, at least a little bit to help you walk better. Uh, but we, we think that in the future, like if not us, but someone is going to be able to take someone from being partially paralyzed to playing sports, that'll be 
that'll be super epic <laughs> sick yeah i could just imagine evil walk 3.0 you put it on and you're basically messy yeah, <laughs> i'd be down for that <laughs> which is your favorite team dude uh barcelona Okay, so it was right that you said Messi, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it's, it's great because, uh, you know, so many people use AI tech software to build, I don't know, an app, a dating site, a picture <laughs> tagging software, things like that. And the fact that you guys are using these novel ideas, novel technologies mm -hmm. to cure people of disorders that, you know, that is, at least to me uh, and to everyone on the show, right? That is the definition of using um technology as a okay. means for good yeah 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 definitely thanks if anyone is interested in trying out the device anywhere in the U u.s really would like to contact us and schedule a meeting and understand how the device works we'll be happy to start a conversation and see how we can collaborate uh the best way to reach us will be through our instagram and our email so evolution devices on instagram and uh, info at evolutiondevices.com for our email Thanks for listening to Things Have Changed. Be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and follow us on our Instagram at THC underscore pod. We're going to see you next time. <laughs>